those mountains of doubt are sure to move out. Amen? My scripture is in the book of Job, chapter 1. It's a portion of scripture in verse 8. Hast thou considered my servant Job? That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Coming from the Lord? That's, a, that's com- pretty complimentary. Think about uh, any time you've been considered for a promotion or special recognition. It feels pretty good when someone says your name or says, what, have you considered this person? Um, if anyone knows the book of Job, we realize that it didn't really turn out like that at first. Uh, we find that um, in this case, God was going to be allowing some pretty hefty trials to come Job's way. We also are going. To, we also learn if we read through this book that many were going to learn some lessons from those trials, and including Job himself. What I really want to focus on is that Job was just a man. He was nobody special. He was just like you and me, but he was someone who really loved God. And uh, we're gonna, I'm going to read that real quick. We're going to look at a little description of Job here at the beginning of the chapter. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And the, that's, a, that's a pretty good start. I, I would want to, I would hope and pray that I can be counted in that category. Uh, that, that's what separated Job from many of the people, was that first verse right there. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. So he was blessed with riches, had a big family, and he was renowned. Well, Satan came along to meet. In this, God was having a meeting. A bunch of, I don't. It, it describes it as um, verse uh, six. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also. I don't know if this is a weekly meeting, uh, if it's something that happened twice a month, but. This was something that was happening, and Satan decided to uh, crash the party, if you would say. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. Now, if you haven't heard, Satan's not a good, good guy. So we know what he was up to as he was walking to and fro and walking up and down the earth. He was causing trouble. 
and he was out to destroy as many as he could. Then we get to verse 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? So we have a situation. Job is minding his own business, as they say. If you've ever heard talk to someone, they say, I was just minding my own business, and all of a sudden, this happened. This is Job's situation. But Job still had things that were going on in his life that weren't perfect. Satan would want you to think, in the way he describes Job, that he had nothing to worry about. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him and made his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. I don't believe God believed a word Satan said. Satan believed it. And Satan would want Job to believe it. And as we go through what happens here pretty soon, you can no doubt believe that Satan was in Job's ear wanting him to believe it. Satan is a, an accuser of the brethren. He will get in our ear to tell us as much as he can tell us. But he's the father of lies. When we read about Job and his children, I'm going to go back to chapter 1. It wasn't perfect. And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. This idea of security that, that, that Satan was trying to, to peddle wasn't really all that true. There were things that were going on in Job's life that he was concerned about, that he was unsure about. So even in his security, he was quite insecure. Well, Satan came like a flood. We hear that a lot in testimonies. He does that. He's good at it. And when he has an opportunity, he, he's going to hit you as many times as he can. He'll come in waves. And just when you think you can try to stand up, he knocks you down again. That's how he works. But it's, it's important to note that when the Lord gave Satan an opportunity... He also gave him boundaries. 
And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So all he has, but not him. Don't touch him. And that's exactly what Satan did. Everything. He didn't just take one thing to see what he could, you know, let's, let's uh, take his children and we'll stop there and see how, he, how he's doing. He did, he took it all. And we read in the last verse of the first chapter, in all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. He proved the devil wrong. Amen? We, we can know that Satan was in his ear. Look at all of this. Where is your God now? You ever heard that before? I think we've all been through that. We can have victory over that. Well, that wasn't good enough. Satan came back to the next meeting. And God said, okay, you can touch him, but you can't kill him. And we find that uh, a great sickness boils all over his body. Very, very difficult thing. And so we find in, when we get to the third chapter, we get, we get to hear how Job's feeling about all this. As you can imagine, it, it, well, he wasn't feeling real great about it. Um, and we find that there were more things that were, that in his life that he was concerned about. In, uh, the third chapter at the 25th verse, he reveals that he had his greatest fear come to pass. Job had fears. There were things he didn't ever want to happen to him that he was, that he was fearful of. So if we look at the 25th verse, for the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. We also find that Job wasn't uh, to a point where he couldn't have a pity party. I don't know why they call it a pity party. It's not a party at all. But he was feeling sorry for himself to a point where he actually says he cur- he didn't ever curse God. It says that there was never sin on his lips, but he did curse the day he was born. Why was I even born? And he goes into great detail how many different ways he could just not been born. Ten verses to be exact. I think it's eleven. For the sake of time, I'll let you look at that yourself. It's in Job 3, starts in the third verse, and goes to verse 13. He really goes on a tirade. And, and he's feeling sorry for himself, and he doesn't feel good, and I, you know, can we really blame him? I can't blame him. I can't imagine going through what he went through. Then his friend, his wife comes to him in his sickness, and she's not much help. Uh, we, we find that nobody understands his situation. 
So he, not only has he, is he going through all these things, he's all alone. Been there? She points her finger at God and says, you just curse him and die. She blames God for the whole thing. So Satan got to her, obviously. Then he has three friends who want to come help him. Help him understand what's going on. And for about, well, from chapter 4 to chapter 31, we won't go over those tonight. His three friends try to convince them that he's sinned, and that's why this all happened. And it goes on, back and forth, debate, back and forth. I would have got tired of that. These were his friends. We get to a point where finally it's over. They have no answer to Job. And then someone else decides they're going to show up. A younger man who is waiting his turn. And now he's going to enter the fray. So, was this a, this, you know, I, when I always considered this to be like a private conversation, the three just trying to help him out, I, I guess there was actually an audience the whole time. And this young man comes up. But he, he has a different take. These three friends also, just to remind our they were saying God was telling them to tell him this. We're telling you what God told us, and he told us you've sinned. You know, they had this, uh, this idea that they, they were sharing God's uh, message to Job. And Job just wasn't having it. He, he searched his heart. I know. I know I haven't. And God bless him. He could have easily given up. So this young man shows up. And he sparsely, he, he's careful. He doesn't ever uh, point out that anything, one thing, except one thing. He said, why are you so discontent? You've been ill for, this, for so long. It's been months by now. Because you're so concerned with your circumstances that you've forgotten who your creator is. You're not looking to God. Do you remember who God is? And Job, for this long time, has really been saying, where are you, God? And this young man saying, do you remember who he is? You're focused on what's happened and not your creator, not the one who can help you. Well, for almost six chapters, they have a debate, which we will not get into tonight. Do we ever find ourselves complaining? I know I do, so I'll point the finger this way. It's easy to complain. It's easy to look at the circumstances. It's easy to look at what's going on and say, why? Why me? Why them? What, what's going on? What did I do? And, and there are certain circumstances, even in the testimony tonight. How many things do have to go wrong in one month? How fair is that? 
God is always trying to teach us, isn't he? We heard this morning that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Uh, there's a purpose. There's a purpose for everything. And when we can understand that, it helps us to, uh, we can still complain. But you know, we talk about leaving things at the altar. We need to leave our complaint there too. We don't need to carry it around with us. Uh, and that's not easy to do. I'm not saying I'm good at that yet. But that's something we need to do. We need to lay, lay our complaints before the Lord and then just like Hezekiah did, they laid those letters out and said, what are you going to do about this, Lord? Uh, we need to do that. Uh, we'll have victory when we do that. Somehow, through this conversation with this young man, Job starts listening. Not only to the young man, but God is able to get his attention finally. And we look into the 38th chapter of Job. We skipped a lot. We get to the 38th chapter, and it says, The Lord answered Job out of a whirlwind. Now, when we read this, God seems pretty stern. But God knew Job. He knew what he needed to hear and how he needed to hear it. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Yes, sir. Right? I mean, he got his attention. You've been groveling long enough. Listen up. And the Lord will tell, talk to us like we need to be told. Whatever. Ch chastening is not always comfortable, is it? Now, the chastening of the Lord will not be comfortable, but we know that it's out of love. We know it's because he wants us to be with him forever. We heard about forever tonight, eternity. He wants that for us. Uh, but, but sometimes if we're veering off the track, we need to listen to the checks. We need to be ready to take a course correction from the Lord once in a while. And that's what's happening here for Job. And Job in, in the 42nd the, the second chapter, the Lord had a lot to say, by the way. We're going to move right on to the 42nd chapter. Then Job answered the Lord. Now, previous, the whole book, whenever Job is answering, he's defending himself. Here, Job answers the Lord. I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understand not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak, I will demand, which means request. That's always an interesting word there. So he's saying he will request of God and declare thou unto me, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. He humbled himself. He realized that he just had lost track of God in his complaints and in his concerns and all that he was going on. 
God had not been at the forefront for him anymore. And he realized it, and he repents. And then God took care of the three, the three friends, says, you're going to sacrifice and you're going to apologize. And then we even find that Job prays for his friends. And we have a restoration of a friendship. That's pretty exciting. Even through all of that, there's still victory at the end. When we're going through a trial, whether it's two days, three weeks, six months, or a year and a half, call it COVID, call it whatever you want, there's victory at the end. If we hold on to the hand of our Lord, maybe you're here tonight and wondering, why would I want to get saved if he's going to do that to me? Have you considered? I don't want to be considered. That sounds horrible. Well, one thing you have to remember is Satan is a roaring lion seeking whomever he may devour. If you're not in the, the ark of safety, so to speak, you're in a position where you have no one to help you. Jesus reminds us in Matthew 10, 28, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Satan is, is, is not someone to mess with. We need to have the blood of Jesus covering our lives. We need to know that we have been forgiven, and that's why. That's why being a Christian is so important. That's why looking to the Lord and surrendering your heart to him is so critical. Job had God through it all. And so can you, if you'll just reach out to him and trust him with all of your heart. In an unsaved condition, we don't have God's protection. But as a saved child of God, uh, we, have, we have the whole power of heaven at our disposal. We, we have the protection of the almighty God who loves us dearly. He sent His Son for us. We can have a hope that endures forever. Forever. Even through the circumstances. We can still have hope. Just like Job, we might have insecurities. We might have the doubts and the fears. We are human. Many of you, as I prepared this. I know many have gone through things and felt like that's exactly what's happened already. But aren't you thankful for victory in Jesus? Aren't you thankful for a heavenly father who cares about every, every one of us? He cares about, he knows a number of the hairs on our head and I don't have very many, but he knows everything about us. He knows what we're thinking, what we're, what we're concerned about. Isn't that what, that, that's what makes being a Christian so wonderful? Is even in the hard times, we still have Jesus. Where would we be without him? If you haven't been through a really hard trial, God bless you. 
You'll have one someday. I can guarantee it. This world just is this made that way. But you know, God will be right there next to you. He'll be with you every step of the way. And you know, if you're going through that trial right now, He's with you right now. I mean, we want to bring our complaints and our concerns to the Lord. Help us to leave Him here tonight. And go home victorious. The song is 480. Won't you come in?